Good morning. If all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade would come to the front, those who are three, four, and five-year-old, if you'd make your way to the back, Linda's going to be taking you to your, your morning group. Oh, man, it's, it's, I think last week when we had the cold temperatures, less people, but uh, this, this is looking nice, uh, all these kids. Good morning, everybody. Have fun this morning. <laughs> all right. Hi, buddy. Good to see you, Lincoln. Hi. All right. Lindsay? It's not unusual for her to be late. She is a Roberts originally. Now she's a Landreth, and Jared's doing his hardest to teach, but anyway. All right. It's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, it is good to be back together in fellowship and, and having the opportunity to sing praises to God. Amen. And it's also uh, this great opportunity to oh, man, see each other face to face. I will not apologize for it. I love to be together. I love to be together. Technology's great, wonderful. Uh, so glad that there are those who are joining us this morning who were unable to be here physically. Uh, but we, we're looking forward to the day when everybody could be together and, and, and worship together. That, uh, that's just, uh, uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy, I think, I think that's God created, right? God created, God ordained, wants us to be together. Say, hey, don't miss this opportunity. And, and so I ought to start preaching or we're going to go on some tangent somewhere and, and, and you'll be here a real long time and nobody wants that. Let me, let me dive into where we are. Uh, if, if you have been with us or haven't been with us, been preaching through 1 Corinthians. We've entitled this uh, Church in Progress. That's that idea of the church is always growing, changing, being formed according to the Holy Spirit he's given, being formed according to, to the word that we're, we've been given, and definitely being formed as in us coming together, challenging, encouraging, building one another up, uh, all through his design. So, oh, the church is good. The church is good. And so this morning, we're looking at uh, uh, the church in progress, this, this Corinthian church, which definitely even, I mean, young, young church, three years, uh, and, and over the past couple of chapters, chapter 8, chapter 9, it's all been in this one topic, food, sacrifice, idols. Now, the Corinthians had, had actually sent Paul a letter with questions and, and thoughts that that they wanted him to address. And one of those is food sacrifice idols. Uh, as Paul goes through the chapter 8, it was, not, it was not just simply food sacrifice idols. It was, it was actually the participation of the feast that took place in pagan temples. It was a participation of these Feasts where you know I, I don't know whether it was uh, you know bring the the what the covered dish kind of thing that churches have, but it was definitely part of that was meat that was sacrificed to idols or or food sacrificed idols that they would participate in, and the question overall as we've gone through chapter eight and chapter nine was the Corinthians are asking why not, why not eat food sacrifice idols, or even more so, why, why not be able to participate in these feasts? Uh, in chapter 8, Paul made it very clear. He said, well, you're right. Idols are nothing. And, and uh, 
the, the gods that they build temples for and they hold these feasts over, uh, there is no other God. These are, these are two truths that they're going on. So, hey, it's freedom. Matter of fact, uh, Paul has said in, in several places throughout Corinthians, everything is permissible. We love freedom, right? Who doesn't love freedom? And, and the Corinthians were feeling freedom. What, what could hinder us from doing anything? Everything is, is, is permissible. Paul, of course, adds in there, not everything's beneficial. And, and obviously, there was a message out there, hey, don't be involved in these feasts. Don't be involved in eating food sacrificed to idols. In, in the first case, in chapter 8, here's what we learned. That this is the first place Paul went. He appealed to their love. He said, if, you want to know why you shouldn't be participating in, in these meals? Well, because what, I want you to love the weaker brother. You know, the one who doesn't have this sense of freedom and, and this idea that, oh, oh that this is okay. Everything's permissible. They don't have this idea that, oh, because more than likely it's because they grew up in these temples. And they spent their lives in this idolatry, which they knew it is idolatry, and now they're serving the one true God. Are you with me in this? Uh, does it sound like transformation? This is part of their transformation. No longer are we going to participate in worshiping these false gods. Instead, we're going to worship the one true God. So there's people out there who, who don't have this, this embracing of the freedoms that, that other Corinthians are having. And, and Paul says, hey, if, if you love them, you're not going to go in there and eat in, in front of their faces. And so... Uh, have them following you in and eating, which would, be, which would be sinful against them and causing them to fall. So it was an appeal to love where Paul began. Chapter 9, just a quick address. Uh, also along with this was some contention or, or some problem. Because, you know, when someone in authority is telling you to do something and you're not liking it, where do you go? Well, I don't know whether you have the authority to tell us what to do anymore. There might have been something like that going on with the, between the Corinthians and Paul, questioning his, uh, his opportunity or his, his position as an apostle, because he says, am I not an apostle? Am I not? He, he asks all these questions and then confirms them. It, one of the thoughts is that, that well, he, he's not an apostle because he's not receiving any pay for what he does. Who would do that, right? And he goes into the fact that he said, well, hey, I have all the rights you, that the other apostles have. I should be able to marry. I should be able to be supported by those that I'm teaching and leading. But he says, I choose not to. He said, he said all the rights that I have, I deny it. For why? Because of the gospel. His great message, I, I believe it's, it's these words, whatever it takes, Paul wanted to get the gospel message out. That's chapter 8, chapter 9. So definitely, that, that chapter 9 connects because Paul is saying, okay, you guys question me, but here's my authority. I am an apostle. Matter of fact, you are in the place you're in. You know Jesus because of my ministry, because of my apostleship. And, and, and also, that my motivation for everything is, hey, I want everyone to know Jesus. I want to save as many people as I can. Great motivation, right? Great, great example that Paul sets for, for the Corinthian church, but also sets for us. 
in chapter 10, he goes back. Remember, the first answer was, hey, you don't participate in these meals because of love. But in chapter 10, he comes to, to a new place that I think is going to open a door for us as well. And, and I know meat sacrificed to idols is not a problem anybody has here, right? Idolatry, on the other hand, I think, you know, and, and, and let me tell you what, I wrestle with that. I thought, well, where, where is idolatry? And, and when I think about it, and even dwelt in my own life about it, which we'll open up later, I think it is so accessible and so prevalent that we need to have the same warning that the Corinthians are getting today. Let's, let's listen to what, what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I, I, I was going to start for 13, just to let our, our, uh, Tony know. I'm going to read the first five verses in introduction and then read as we continue on because there's so much content here. Uh, chapter 10, beginning uh, verse 1, here's where Paul goes, the direction he goes in. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Mo Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Uh, this is just the introduction as, as Paul opens it up. Where does he go? And he calls them ancestors, but he goes back to the Old Testament. Ancestors, how are they ancestors? Gentiles, Jews, there is no blood connection, but there is a God connection. There's absolutely a God connection. In the Old Testament, we're talking about people that were under a covenant of God through the law, and now uh, the Corinthians are under the covenant of promise, the covenant through grace, through Jesus Christ, all connected because, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, family. And, and Paul, Paul brings up that, that identifying thing, the ancestors in the Old Testament. It's also interesting to know that the Corinthians, young believers, already were, were understanding and familiar with the Old Testament stories. It wasn't their heritage, but it is now in God. How, how did God work in this world? How did he move his people? So it's interesting. Now he goes and says, look at this example. Let's go back and think about these ancestors. Hey, they were partakers in God as well. In, in, in the verses that follow, in verse 1, he said they were partakers because they were under the cloud. Remember the cloud? And, and we're talking about in that time of Exodus. They have, they have been uh, uh, rescued out of Egypt. And, and as they're moving out of Egypt, here's some things that they partook of under God. Well, they followed the cloud in the wilderness. Remember the cloud? It was a cloud by day, the fire by night. And it was, it, it was there reminding them that the presence of God is with them. And so they followed the cloud. Wherever the, you know, if the cloud began to move, they would pack up and follow the cloud or the fire. And, and uh, uh, so they were partakers in, in God's presence, but they were also partakers when they walked across the sea to escape from the, uh, uh, the Egyptian army, Pharaoh and his army. Remember Moses raised up his arms, the, the waters parted and they walked across dry land. They were partakers in, in God's rescue, they were partakers in, in, in God's presence, 
They, they were seeing it firsthand. People of God were seeing the power and working of, of God. Wow. You ever, you ever think, what an opportunity these people had to be part of that, to see God's miraculous hand at work. Are you with me? You understand that? And, and also, not, that's not it. Uh, it. It goes on to say that this is like, uh, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This is their baptism. Now, the Corinthians knew baptism. And then it says, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Now, wait a minute. Christ wasn't born until, you know, Christmas. No. Uh, Christ wasn't born until here just, what, what uh, maybe 35, 40 years ago. Or, or maybe a little bit longer. Jesus, Jesus just came. What do, you, what do you mean talking about him? Well, we know that Jesus was present. And this is another truth, that Jesus has always been. Just like God. He, 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 is, he was, he is, and is to come. That's, that's the praise we set out for God himself. But as John chapter 1 says, Jesus was there in the beginning. From the very beginning, Jesus existed. And then came down to the earth through the Holy Spirit, and, and through Mary was born in, into flesh. Fully man, fully God. But Jesus was there in the time of the Exodus. He was part of this as well. And the connection that Paul wanted to make is, hey, listen, you two are partakers. Uh, we're partakers. Uh, baptism, we, we identify this as, man, the profession of faith, the repentance. We're going to bring it all together. And, and in this act, we're going to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Man, that's valuable to us. That's valuable. It is an action of our faith that we follow according to what God's Word calls us to do. And we are partakers in Jesus. And we're partakers in His salvation, in His provision. Also, each Sunday we get together and, and, and participate in this. And it's said that they ate the spiritual food. I mean, miraculously, the manna came from heaven, right? And they participated also in, in receiving the spiritual drink. Uh, Moses, when, when there was no water, I mean, they're in a desert place. How are they going to survive? Moses takes his staff and touched the rock, and, and water, I'm, touched the rock was the first time, and, and the water came forth out of the rock and supplied all of Israel, supplied all of Israel. They, they were provided for, they, they were partakers in what God provided. And, and then listen to what verse 5 says, though, I mean, partakers of everything, and yet, in verse 5, it says, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The, a great number, a majority, we will say, never made it to the promised land, which was talked about. Where are we going? What are we doing? Well, we're going to the promised land, the land that God promised to the forefathers. You know, that's where we're going. And a majority of those people that walked through the desert that were defiant, uh, did, not, did not make it into the desert. We cannot continue in evil. Let me, let me state this very clearly. We cannot continue in evil, in idolatry, and be right with God. I think that's our message. I think that was where Paul begins and says, look, these are an example. That's what he's going to say. These are an example to us, and, and they failed to enter into God's rest. And the question would be why. The, again, let me go back. The, the problem with the Corinthian group was, was this. The one, those who kept on questioning, well, why not? 
uh, and held on to that. Everything is permissible. Well, here, here is, here is uh, Paul's why not. First of all, we cannot be secure in what God has done for us if we continue to desire evil. If we continue to pursue evil. We cannot uh, be secure in what God has provided for us. Again, the example is set for us with the, with, with the ancestors. In verse 6, here's what Paul says. Verse 6 says, Now these things occurred as examples to us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. As they did. So, so okay, there's an example of people who are setting their, their hearts on evil things. That was, that was uh, the, the children of Israel, the ancestors. For us, we can, cannot continue to set our hearts on evil things, as they did. And here, here are the examples of these, the uh, evil things that they set their hearts upon. Beginning verse 7 through 10. Each one, each verse presents a, another uh, problem. The first one it starts with is idolatry. Here, verse 7 says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it as it, uh, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. In, in that verse, it's referring to the time when Moses was coming down off the mountain. While he was up there and God was giving him the Ten Commandments, what was happening below? But the people were calling for, hey, we need an idol. We need a, we need a God before us. And, and so what was constructed is a golden calf. And as Moses came down, this verse is actually part of it. Exodus 32, 6. That they sat down to eat and drink, and then they got up to indulge in revelry. You know, it was, it was dancing, it was singing, it was shouting. It was merriment in front of this golden idol that they claimed uh, delivered them out of Egypt. Idolatry. It was a turning to something that's not a, not a god and an a idol that is nothing. Uh, verse, verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Uh, what, what's it speaking about there? Uh, just the, the fat, fact that uh, uh, they, uh, let me see, it is verse, did I jump one? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, the, the sexual immorality. Um, Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Uh, in in uh, Numbers chapter 25, write this down if you'd like to look, this, look at this later. But Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. Uh, in that passage, it's, it begins, the first three verses begins like this. The men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. They were, they were still in the wilderness. They were close to a, a Moabite territory. And, and it said uh, uh, that that these Moabite women invited them to the sacrifices of their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves with the Baal of Peor. Idolatry. Now, now let me just say also what we've seen amongst the Corinthians is and, and knew about during that time is, is their... Their idolatry wasn't just about eating and drinking. It was about sexual immorality. We've heard about the sexual uh, uh, prostitutes or the, the temple prostitutes that were available. And that was part of their idolatry was sexual immorality. It was part of that as well. 
The great conclusion that Paul says is 23 of them died and were scattered in the wilderness. Another one is verse, verse 9. The next one says, we should not test Christ as some of them did. And, and what is that referring to? Uh, in, in that it is uh, uh, Numbers chapter 21 verses 4 through 7. Uh, why have you brought it? Here's the, here's the message from the Israelites towards God. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to, to die in the wilderness? Uh, speaking you know, to God through Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt? We're, we're just going to die here. There is no bread. There is no water. We, we detest this miserable food, which was the manna. They were getting tired of it. Could you imagine manna, manna every day? You know? and, and so they were... They were questioning, why? Why? Why did you, why'd you do it this way? This is not what we want. Are you kind of familiar with that? This isn't the direction I want, I, I want life to go. This is not what I intended. What, we should have just stayed in Egypt. Things were so much better there. And so there was a testing of Christ is what uh, the passage says. A testing, a challenging of Christ. Why? In verse 10, well, I should say... From that, uh, the rest of that verse says that God provided snakes, poisonous snakes, that inflicted the people, bit them, and, and were dying until God, from their repentance, provided a rescue, provided a means for them to be healed from all the snakes. Verse 10, I believe all this is neatly connected with idolatry, the grumbling. Their rebellion. Uh, if you would, were to look at Numbers chapter 14 and, and read the 38 verses there, Numbers chapter 14, uh, they had, uh, God had just said, go check out the promised land. They sent, they sent uh, 12 spies in to go check out the promised land, the, pro, the, the land that God was going to give uh, to the people. And, and the report came back that two of them said, man, this is a great land. God said, it's ours. Let's go take it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Two, but the other ten said, oh, man, there's giants living there. We will be wiped out. So in a, dem a you know, democratic society, the vote was ten to two, so you know where everybody else went. Let's go home. You know, we don't want to go into this land. We're just going to be wiped out. And they began to grumble and complain, and, and that was it. Uh, Paul says a destroying angel, which the destroying angel is something they were very familiar with. It is what exactly saved them when they put the blood on their doorpost in Egypt, remember? And the destroying angel went over them. But those very people who did that would never make it into the promised land because uh, God called upon them and said, none of them, or made a promise, none of them, uh, none of the adults, 20 and older, are ever going to step foot in, in the promised land. Therefore, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, letting them die off. Uh, okay, all the benefits, all the pluses God had given them. And yet, the, the, the wilderness was strewn with the people. Their bodies dying in the desert to never enter that rest. And this turns out to be Paul's warning. It's about idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is, is I believe, in, wrapped up in that word of desiring evil. Desiring something other than God. 
Uh, and, and remember that the commandments, within the commandments that God brought down from the mountain, it, it was a simple, the, the simple two were uh, no other gods before me. That was number one. No other gods before me. And do not make for yourself an idol to bow down to and worship. That was number two. Others go on and, and talking about God, but man, they dove in head first. And matter of fact, they were already participating when they received these commands, and they didn't change a thing. It, it, they, if anything, they had a difficulty saying, hey, God, you are sovereign. We're going to trust you. They, they didn't have that attitude at all because they kept on thinking back to what was, what, what we're missing, what, what, we, what we no longer have in front of us. Man, we sure miss home, Egypt. We're not looking forward to what God has in store for us. We're not trusting him in that. Idolatry, I, I, bottom line, I, I believe idolatry is rejecting, rejecting God as that sovereign God. He sets upon that throne. In our lives, if God is in the right place, he's number one. Numero uno, right? He is the one and only. He's the one I worship. I'm not going to focus on anything else. Idolatry is anything else that takes his place. Anything else I would put upon that throne and see is more significant, more important than God. I'd be involved in idolatry. I'd be involved in, in my own uh, selfish, uh, selfish, self-centeredness, my own sensuousness, you know, the, 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 the desires to fulfill all my appetites, the, the desire to have my way, not the Lord's way, and also... You know, it brings us to those places. When, when we're, we're not satisfied, what do we do? When we're not satisfied, when we're not happy people, you know, and that he, God heard a lot of that. A lot of that grumbling. <laughs> I, I, I read through this, and in this truth, God is a patient God. Because I, I see my life in, in some of this. Now, I see myself in a lot of this. I see myself in a lot of this in, over my life and, and learning to allow God to be God. Dropping the, the, the grumbling, dropping you know, the situation, the things that are happening around me. I can't control that. Guess where I stand? It's on Him. That foundation is glorious. But that's not the attitude of these people. That's not the attitude of the ancestors. Paul is calling the Corinthians, hey, listen, un un understand what you're doing when you are involved, when you're desiring this evil, when you're involving yourself in this idolatry, you are usurping God. You're taking him out of that place, and, and actually, you're the one in charge, not God. Now, we have to be careful about this idolatry. I, I, you know, and, and as I said, I, I wrestled, what things could I possibly put in place of God? Things that I hold dear, things that I love so much. And, and I, had, I had to think about my family. Are you with me? I had to think about my, my wife. You know, I had to think about my wife. But I always come to this conclusion. I heard a long time ago, and I, I, I have to embrace this. How can I love her more than the one who saved my soul? that gave me life, that actually is the one who gave me this precious gift of the wife I love so much. But God, she's not going to take that place. God is going to take that place. 
Oh man, it's so easy to put something else or someone else in that place above God. Look, look around you. Think about what you have. And it ought to be hearts that are thankful, grateful for every day that we have. Thankful, grateful uh, for the, the gifts of family, for the gifts of, of, of uh, opportunities and, and life in every day. And that ought to be lived to always look to be honoring of Him with our lives. I think that's where the Corinthians should have been. Instead, they were grumbling. They were saying, man, we have our freedoms, we have our rights. We want to participate in these idolatrous feasts. Well, Paul, I, I think in chapter 10, lays it out and says, this is what it, what it is. Uh, this is, this is the, the bottom line. Because there comes a warning in verses 11 and 12. This is why he laid it out. Here's your example. Watch. God, they were partakers of everything, and they fell. And guess what? You could partake in, in everything. You'd be part of this and part of that. That's not your security. He said, you too can fall if you continue to desire and pursue evil, if you continue to, to, to be involved in idolatry. Verse 11 to 12, here's what it says. These things happened to them as examples or were written down as a warning for us. That's what Paul just did. On whom the culmination of the age has come. What does that mean? The, the fulfillment of all time was when Jesus came into this world. The, provision, the, the, the greatest provision of salvation came through Christ. The culmination of the age when Jesus came and now salvation is provided. And we're a part of that. We're a part of that. Verse, verse 12 says, so if you think you are standing firm, if you think that, man, God loves me, God provides, and I'm involved in all this, uh, be careful that you don't fall. There's a warning out there for those who are going to be involved in the continuous pursuit of evil, the desire for evil, trying to fulfill the things in my life, being involved in, in, in not allowing God to be that sovereign God and allowing other things to be more important than Him. There's a warning to those who choose to do that. Now, now that's, a hard, that's a hard bottom line that Paul drew. But I, I believe Paul also goes to this place where there's encouragement through the grace and mercy of Christ. Uh, of, of Christ. And it's in this. Uh, the second point is we must overcome the temptations to do evil. This idea of temptations. All believers face temptations, right? Here, here's where we are. Here's, here's, here's the truth. We become believers. We're called to holiness and righteousness. Temptations continue. And, and the truth is, there are days that we don't do so well in overcoming. That, that we might fall or, or fail. And, and, and matter of fact, it, really the Christian life is a, a continuous process of, of learning how to walk in righteousness, how to pursue the holiness that we can live a life and, and reflect God in how we live it and how we love. It's who we are as a people. We're, 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 hey, we're sinners, we're forgiven, and, and now we're on that road to becoming more like Him every day. That's who we are. That's our identity. Becoming more like Jesus. Are we familiar? Temptation is a part of our life. Overcoming needs to be a part of our life as well. And the encouragement Paul lays out in verse 13, which is a real familiar passage. In verse 13, he says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Man, all the sins, you know, 
there's others who have gone through the temptations you've gone through. I, there are those who, who, who've been successful and have overcome, and there are those who, who have failed. But, but here's what it says concerning what God not only supplies us salvation, God also help, helps us to have uh, victory or, or to be able to conquer those temptations. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The temptation you face is not... I, I know lots of people who said, man, this is too much. Have you been there? I, just honestly, have you been there where the temptation, the frustration, the hurt, or, or the temptation, the draw, the man, is, is so great that you don't think you could bear under it? Anybody? Anybody like that? That you felt, man, this is too much. I mean, there's times in my life when I felt it was too much. And it was through prayer and through believers' encouragement and strengthening that I found a way out. That I found a way out. And I don't know whether this, that's the way this is applied. But here's, because it is totally God's involvement. I don't want to take away, because it says that God is involved in this. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide a way. It might be uh, within the body of believers. It might be in his word. It might be in, in, in some other strength that he, in, he, he builds up within us to help us to overcome the temptations we face, the, those temptations we face every day. But what about idolatry? You know, what if your heart is fixed uh, upon you know, those desires, those evils and things. Is there a way to overcome those temptations? I think that's why Paul comes in verse 14 and he says this, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. <laughs> Paul makes it very clear this idolatry is a serious matter. Corinthians, listen. I mean, first of all, it's love. First of all, let's, let's, let's at least let me challenge you this. It ought to be love for others that you're not going to be involved in this. But l then let me tell you what. That if your heart continues to desire evil, nothing's, I mean, the, the problem is you might fall. The, the danger is you could fall. When it continues, while, while God is your God, man, it's such a conflict to say, man, I desire to do what's evil. I'm just going to continue to pursue that. Because if God is our God... Righteousness and holiness is our pursuit, right? Temptations are going to come and make that difficult, but we can overcome because guess what? It says that God provides. God provides a way out. God's going to provide strength. That's why, hey man, you're tempted, pray. First thing, right? Pray. God, help me through this. Have you been there? Yeah. Okay, I've been there. I'm the only one. <laughs> I, you don't have to raise your hands. I'm sorry. But, but uh, I've been there where temptation is so great that, man, the first thing I think about is, man, God, help me through this. Now, listen, we're, we're going to partake of communion. And, and, and the third point, so it's going to take a little bit longer to get to communion. But make sure you have your cups with you. Because I just want to use the remaining verses I wanted us to read. Uh, the remaining part of this uh, chapter 10, verses 14, uh, 15 through 22. I, let me just read it for you and lay it out because it's so connected with what, what Paul is laying out here. He brings it back to that meal. 
Let's listen to what he says, beginning at verse 15. Uh, first of all, well, yeah, verse 15. He says, I speak to sensible people. Uh, he's always been respectful of these Corinthians and, and laying it out. And he, I, I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? <laughs> Isn't this a participation uh, in what Jesus has done for us? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. Uh, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. It, okay, this is not just an alone thing. This is us together speaking. Again, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, but we could speak it today. Man, we join together in this participation in Jesus. That's our communion. That's when we come to this table. It is an observance of his blood and his body, what he's done for us. That's our participation. And, and without the participation in Christ, we have no relationship with God because we're in our sinfulness. That's, that we just need to remember that. When it comes to this table, that's what we're doing. Then he goes back. This is the journey he's been on. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. The answer is yes. They participate in the altar. Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? And he says, no. Go back to chapter 8. That was the conclusion. Hey, these things aren't anything. That's where they were saying, hey, we get our freedom. But Paul says, no. And here's, here's a, new, a new clear thought and, and matter of fact, uh, the, the last nail that goes down in saying, this is why you don't participate in these meals. He says, no, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. If I could put it in simple terms, it's someone who's living a double life. On Sunday, woohoo! Let's participate in communion and, and celebrate baptism. Let's celebrate being with God, but the rest of the week it's mine and somebody else sits upon the throne. Paul says, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. If you're, if you're here's on, his on Sunday morning, you need to be his all the time. Isn't that right? No, no idolatrous, no pursuing of evil. It is a pursuing, a continued pursuing of what's right. It's a continued pursuing of, of God as he is holy. He, he finishes by saying, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. I, but I, I know, man, is, is that what the uh, Israelites were doing in the desert? Man, yeah, yeah, protect us when it comes to the... Uh, Egyptian army, you know, let us walk through dry land. We'll participate in that. And, and, and man, you'll feed us, you'll supply us. But man, all along, what was it? It was the idolatry they were focused upon. It, it, was, it was the idea, let's go back to where we were. Uh, let's, you know, do you really know what, it, it definitely wasn't this prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. It wasn't that at all. It was, man, God help me get done what I want to get done. If anything, and if, if you're not going to do that, get out of the way kind of, kind of idea. It was a, a self-centeredness. It, it was all about me. It was all about my wants. And if that's the kind of life we're living, without regard to what he wants, what he desires, then, then we're in trouble. 
we're in trouble. In the week, pursuing loving God, temptations are going to come. And he has promised over, to, to give us a way out. He ends with this. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? No. <laughs> are we stronger than he is? No, absolutely not. Man, God has provided for us. And, and when we partake in this table, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, what is your life? And just give just some time of, of contemplation. So we're going to be silent just for a little bit. So you could bow your heads and just say, God, is, is, am I inconsistent? I, am I pursuing you on Sunday and then the rest of the time it's all about me? You really need to, to answer that before we partake communion. This ought to be the only thing we're partaking in. This ought to be the only observance. My connection is to him. Let's bow our heads and you take just a moment.